Hello and welcome to Automators. My name is Rosemary Orchard and I'm here with Davis Fox where we talk about massaging our technology in a way that it will then magically produce all the results that we're looking for. Hello, David. Let's bring some magic, Rosemary Orchard. Oh, magic yeah, so much like magic. Yes. Yeah, Wingardium Leviosa. And now I'm, I'm floating. I know what that means. I know what that means. <laughs> well, I hope most people know what that means. For people not familiar with Harry Potter, that is a levitation spell. And uh, let's levitate our spirits in today's show. So I have, uh, I got a cold a few weeks ago, and now it has turned into a cough. But the problem is that cough is arriving at the same time coronavirus is in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So every time I go out and if I cough, people think I just killed them. So my life is complicated right now. I, I don't envy you. Um, I sneezed on the tram this morning. Um, and the good news is, is after this, I immediately got a seat. Um, there you go. There the you bad go. news is, is everybody else was sort of crowded around the other end of the tram. I should point out, I used, you know, like, you know, proper techniques for sneezing. I sneezed into a tissue and used ba- antibacterial hand gel and everything afterwards. But I, it's just that time of year where, you know, you people do tend to get a little cough and a cold. And unfortunately, there's some bad stuff going around yeah, as well. And I, and I don't want to make light of it. This is very serious. And I hope everybody listening is safe and taking care of themselves. But uh, while you're home, if you're staying home, why don't you get better at some automation? Yeah. And uh, we've got a, a nice little bit of a, a mix show here today for everybody because uh, we thought it was about time to do a feedback show. And also there's a lot of other stuff out there that has come across our radars recently, um, which is well worthy of talking about. First of which, I'm going to dive straight into it, is launch cuts. Yes. I am loving this. I um, have pretty much replaced shortcuts on my home screen because of launch cuts. Uh, Like the actual app, it doesn't live on my home screen anymore. I have launch cuts because it's folders for shortcuts. Yeah, and this is made by Ren Adam Tao, a former guest on the show. Uh, Adam's a smart guy. He made an app. And it solves a very specific problem with shortcuts, and that's the lack of organization. You know, like you can't mm-hmm. you can't put your shortcuts in folders. Well, if you run this app, you can. It it yeah. collects your shortcuts for you using a shortcut rather ingeniously, and then you can just organize them in the folders. It just makes launching shortcuts so much easier. Yes. It absolutely does. Um, and so for people who've never heard of it, um, you know, it, it's there's an app. It's in the App Store. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, I think it's $9.99. Um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but uh, again, the infos will be in the show notes. But you buy it once and you install it and you set it up and it starts by um, running a shortcut. So it asks you to install a shortcut and it runs it and that grabs all of the shortcut information. And when I say all, I mean, we're talking color icon, name, um, you know, uh, all sorts of things happening here. Um, Share sheet information, like what kind of shortcut is this? Is it a share sheet shortcut or is it a um, a shortcut that is in your widget and all of that? And it puts it into launch cuts and then launch cuts does magic. And, you know, like you've just thrown all these ingredients into the cauldron. Like you might be expecting a complete mess to come out on the other side. No, by default, it's got like all your shortcuts, shortcuts organized by color, shortcuts organized by icon, shortcuts organized by name, development shortcuts, um, anything where you can share anything to it, where you can share dates to it, where you can share images to it, share text, um, and and widgets. Uh, if it's in your widget, then it's in there. And oh my gosh, this has really helped me clear out my my widget on iOS. 
because my shortcuts widget was a complete and utter mess because yeah. by default, everything gets added to the widget. This is a default behavior that I sincerely hope gets changed. Um, but as it is, I'm, I'm now able to easily find everything that's in the widget and I can tap on the three dots and it will, you know, sort it. I can't help but feel like, you know, the Apple shortcuts team has been in this marathon race the last couple of years. They're trying to get as many features out as possible. And somebody wrote on the whiteboard somewhere, better organization, but they never quite get to it, you know, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, honestly, the features are more important than the organization. And, and I know for a lot of people, probably the vast majority organization isn't a big deal. Most people maybe have 10 shortcuts, but if you're listening to the automators and you're like me and Rose, you have quite a few more than 10 and organization does become kind of unwieldy with the native shortcuts app. And this app just fixes that for you. It's just such a great solution. And, uh, and knowing Adam personally, you can tell how much love he put into it. One of the things I like is he put those bright colors back in. I'm not a huge fan of the pastel colors that they put in shortcuts. Now it's bright and shiny again. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's in there, so if, if you flip over to the settings of launch cuts, which is something that it took me a surprisingly long time to do because why do I need the settings for? It has all sorts of things. Keyboard shortcuts. So you can have keyboard shortcuts assigned to shortcuts. So you just flip over to launch cuts um, and then you, you tap like command one and it runs a specific shortcut for you. And that's it. Like you don't need to think about it and you can reduce your shortcut height. And that sounds like a very minor thing to do. But if you think about how big those boxes are in shortcuts, even on a, a Mac screen, you can't fit that many shortcuts on a screen. Well, if you reduce the height of them, guess what? In launch cuts, you can. You can get way more on your screen. Um, and that's really nice. Yeah. No, I, I just think it's a really well done application. Um, the um, the startup procedure, you know, just setting it up for the first time, he walks you right through it. It doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge, really. It runs mm. a, everything for you. It imports and sets up categories. Um, I don't know. I just, Adam, you know, congratulations to Adam on getting this out. It's a it's an excellent addition to anybody that's a shortcuts power user. Definitely. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I, I've got a couple of ways that I'm using launch cuts. I, I, of course, it's folders. And so I've done some of the, the old fashioned, you know, like, okay, so here's a folder and I'm going to go and find these five shortcuts and put them in this folder and that's it. Um, but you can also create smart folders. Um, and for people not familiar, smart folders automatically update. They're, they're in Finder on, on Mac OS um, and they just automatically update. Um, and you can say, okay, so I want, uh, you know, obviously you could say specific shortcuts, but you can also search for shortcuts matching all criteria or matching any of a certain number of criteria. Um, or you could have shortcuts, which are only shortcuts that aren't in any other folder, which is something that I have just created, uh, like an hour before the show. Um, because I've realized that I have a whole bunch of stuff to where I should probably actually get around to getting rid of this. But the only way I'm going to do that is if I find out what I haven't yet filed um, and trying to figure that out in shortcuts, like going through and processing everything. It, it It's a bit of a, a nightmare when you've got 900 shortcuts. Um, so being able to to do that is is definitely great. You have 900? I think I have around 900. I'm going to, okay, give me a moment. I'm creating a shortcut. Okay, so get shortcuts. Um, where did okay, get my shortcuts and then count. Uh, there we go. Okay, running this. This may take a moment. I have three hundred and ninety nine. I think I may have just crashed shortcuts. Please hold. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is what happens when you when you when you shortcut live on air. I have six hundred and five. Okay, I, I I previously had eight hundred and forty seven. I distinctly remember that, but I've apparently actually been managing to clear things out. Yeah, um, yeah so, so many that, of them are good. like little test ones I make, and I, I need to do a better job of getting rid of. But I thought I was extreme at three hundred ninety nine. But you win, Rose. Yeah, well, there are people in our forums with considerably more. I know Adam Toe himself, um, you know, the, the maker of Launch Cuts, has loads of shortcuts. I'm sure he's well over a thousand. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Adam made this app because he needed the app. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, is, which is generally, you know, a good reason to make an app because you need it yourself. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very pleased that this is here. And, you know, some people might be thinking, well, you know, it's kind of, kind of pricey for an app that, I mean, it, it only does one thing, but at the same time, it does that so well. Like, I, I can't deal with the fact that shortcuts is all over the place. And especially after I had to reinstall shortcuts on all of my devices to get the sync working again properly. Um, you know, everything's now out of order and I don't want to sit down for hours and reorganize everything. That's just going to be too much work. Um, and I, I don't feel like I should. Um, but instead, I've been creating folders in LaunchCut. And it's doing that for me. So now I don't need to do that because I have these saved folders right here inside of Launch Cuts. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that this is, um, you know, we talk about how much apps cost once in a while. And it's always kind of harrowing because people get upset. But, you know, $10, if it is, you know, I guess we should figure that out before we go off on it. But the... um when you think about how much people spend in Starbucks and things for an app, if you use shortcuts every day, this app will make the experience better. That's all. I mean, yeah, but make your own choices. Like if you only have a few shortcuts, you don't need this app. Don't spend your money on it. But if you've got a lot and you want some help with organization, that's what you get for your money. Yes, absolutely. Um, And I'm just creating a shortcut to check the price because of course once you've bought an app it's very difficult to to check uh, how much it is in the app store launch cuts is seven pounds 99 in the uk app store um and i'm just attempting to change that to the united states which i've just spelled with a j <laughs> there we go united states and it says it's seven dollars 99 so it's actually way cheaper than i thought um you know that that's in my opinion, extremely affordable for the value that it offers to those of us with so many shortcuts. And I also believe that Adam is going to be putting that money probably back into the app anyway, because oh, yeah. that's the kind Absolutely. of guy he is. But the, uh, either way, it's a, it's a very useful application. It's such an interesting utility. I mean, yeah. there are applications out there that create shortcut actions, and we've talked about some of them on the show. We may talk about a few of them today as well. Uh, there's never been an app uh, it's made to organize shortcuts and it's just such yeah. a great idea and, and really does scratch the itch if you've got a lot of shortcuts. So, so go check it out. Um, and I don't even know the link for it. Do you know the link for it? Let's see here. Uh, adamtoe.com. Okay. Um, so he's got it, it on his it, Yeah. It's on Adam's website and we'll have a link in the show notes to the, the app store version. But if you head to adamtoe.com, then you'll see all of the stuff that Adam's produced. He's got lots of stuff. Um, and he's, he's got a post up there from, from January where launch cuts, uh, 1.1 was released. Um, and that's added things. Um, and I, you know, he, he has been working really hard on this to, to bring it out. Um, and it's, it's well worth it in my opinion, because it's made my life so much easier. And, and once again, the, the actual URL is toe.tow.com. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, Adam. Go check it out, Automators. You may like it. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. 
No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how your website performance issues affect your visitors' experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. So you want to identify how your visitors are actually experiencing your website, so you can make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to those who matter the most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash reallyfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code AUTOMATORS in all caps at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and FM. All right, we've got a lot of feedback and uh, starting with some interesting uh, information from listener Alan about UUID tools. Yeah, so Alan emailed us because we linked to a UUID generator in the show notes um, uh, when we when we were talking uh, a couple of uh, episodes back. And uh, he said, well, actually, I, I have a website which is a much better tool for this. Um, so thank you to Alan. And that is over at uuidtools.com slash generate. Now, for people who don't remember when we were talking about UUIDs, a UUID is a universally unique identifier. Um, and um, you need them for things like iBeacons and stuff like that. Um, and some of the very cheap iBeacons that you can get from AliExpress uh, don't actually necessarily come with a UUID assigned, uh, as I discovered the other day when I got one and I was trying to figure everything out. Um, and so you need to generate a UUID for this. Um, and this is something that you can do with uh, Alan's tool over at uuidtools.com. Uh, he's got lots of different uh, versions that you can generate over there um, and lots of different tools. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty useful. Um, uh, version 4 is the version I've been using with the random UUID, um, and, and that's been perfect for me. It even lets you uh, bulk generate UUIDs if you just need like 10 or something so that you can assign them all to devices in, sequ- in sequential order. I feel like almost all of the iBeacons you buy do not have a UUID um, assigned to them. Uh, the, the only ones that I had the luck with was the... Um, what was the vendor that we recommended? The estimate. Estimate already had it assigned, but that's the only one I found that already had it assigned. So this could be really useful. Uh, Toolbox Pro can generate them too. Yeah, it can. So if you, people remember, we had Alex Hay back on a while ago, um, and uh, he is the maker of Toolbox Pro, and that also has the ability to create uh, UUIDs, which is another useful feature. So they have two great ways from two of our our listeners and somebody who's been on the show as well. Yeah, and if you don't, if you didn't listen to that show, UUID is something that allows you to tell the computer this is a unique item, and it's super mm-hmm. useful for automation because it has to find that UUID in order to uh, to get where it belongs. Uh, the, the best example of this for me is like when I'm automating with Ulysses versus Apple Notes in shortcuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ulysses I, I sets a unique identifier for each note. So mm-hmm. when you want to append to a note or do make a change to a note, it always goes to exactly the right one. For whatever reason, Apple Notes doesn't do that. Instead, you've got yep. to search for it. So one of my tricks is to generate a UUID and then drop it in the bottom of an Apple Note. 
And then I just search for that UUID and it's only going to ever find that one note. So I never have a problem. Like if you were to use like a, a text phrase or a, a customer name or something that could appear in more than one note, you're not necessarily going to perform the automation where you want to. So mm-hmm. uh, you can generate a UUID, put it in the bottom of an Apple Notes. So you're basically adding the UUID feature to Apple Notes. Yes. And I should mention as well that Alan's website, um, if you, so I'll link to the version four generation because that's a, a random generator, but there's a button there where you can copy an API call. And then if you use that URL in the get contents of URL action in shortcuts, then it will just return a, a unique identifier to you every time, which can be really useful if, for example, you have a shortcut to create a note with a bunch of information and you want to throw a UUID in there like David does so that you can easily uniquely identify that later. Um, and then, of course, you'll probably want to save that UUID somewhere. But uh, we have some ideas for that a little bit later in today's show. Uh, Rose, your guest on the Launched Podcast. I thought it was a really good episode. Yes, I really enjoyed being on there. So, so uh, Launched is a, a podcast by Charlie Chapman um, where he he talks to creators and developers um, about their, their apps and things that they've made. And he had me on to talk about a little bit behind the scenes of automators, nested folders, and also take control of shortcuts. Um, so uh, that was a really fun episode to be on. So if people are perhaps thinking, hmm, I need a little bit more entertainment in the next few weeks, I'd highly recommend checking out Launched. There's couple of good episodes there. And uh, we'll put a link to Rose's episode in the show notes. Yes. Um, feedback. Uh, Karen yes. on Twitter said, I was the only person who she had heard talk about the Wi-Fi Bluetooth control issues causing problems and shortcuts. Have you yes. run into this issue? File a radar. Rose, how do you file yes. a radar? Yes. So the way to file a radar, uh, so it's not called filing a radar anymore, but a lot of people are familiar with this term. You, nowadays, you file feedback. Um, and uh, if you have generic iOS feedback, then the place to go is apple.com slash feedback. But if specifically you know that something's a bug and it's not working, then you need to use the feedback assistant. Now, if you're running a beta operating system, be that iOS or macOS, you can use feedback assistant on the device running beta software. If you are not running beta software for whatever reason, you can go to feedbackassistant.apple.com. And you'll have to sign in to fill that out. But you will also potentially be able to get feedback from Apple. Now, I can't promise that you'll get feedback from Apple. Um, but uh, usually uh, at some point, you'll you'll get an automated message saying, hey, this appears to be resolved in this latest beta um, or in this release. You know, can you confirm this or close your ticket, please? Um, and uh, that that's the place to file it. Because if, you, if we don't file it officially, then it often can't get escalated just because there's too much going on. You know, Apple's a very big machine. They need to have the data in front of them in the systems that they're using so that they can prioritize these issues. Okay, so when you were just answering that, Rose, one of the things you said that just made me giggle is you said, if you're not running the beta for whatever <laughs> reason. So in the mind of Rosemary... Running the beta is standard and not running the beta is the exception. So what is actually in the back of my mind here is if you're not running the beta and you're experiencing an issue, wait, what? Like that, that shouldn't be possible. Of course, we all know that bugs slip out the out the door. This happens. Um, and, you know, it has happened before. It will happen again. But I would hope that if you're running public release, it's considerably more stable than 
hey, I'm running the developer beta three minutes after it launched. Um, so uh, yes, my, I, I'm well aware my my iOS life is much more unstable than many other people's. Uh, my mom was telling me the other day that her, her colleague's uh, phone crashed and she was like, I don't think that's ever happened to mine. <laughs> so are you currently, uh, where, what is your beta situation here in March? Uh, I am running developer betas on all of my iOS devices. And on your Mac? I am not writing betas on my Mac. Okay. On either of my Macs. Um, I feel like it's a lot easier to wipe and reinstall stuff on your iPhone or your iPad um, than it is on the Mac. Um, I do have a very good backup system set up for the Mac. There, I don't anticipate having any problems there. Um, but it just takes a lot longer to download and reinstall uh, Mac OS than it does iOS. Um you know, it's a much bigger machine and, you know, the, the operating system is considerably larger. So I, I don't run the betas after they release the software in, you know, September. I try to, like, get back on the, the regular releases. But and every year in June, I say, this will be the year I don't run the betas and I run and <laughs> run the betas. You know. <laughs> Usually because I'm working on something on a field guide and I need to get early access. But the um, at least that's the reason I give. Um, but the, yeah. yeah but I actually am beta free right now, so I'm I'm, I'm the exception in your life, Rose. Yeah, but at the same time, I would also hope that you're you're having a more stable iOS experience than I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know that they're getting pretty close with the next release of iOS 13. I think it's 13.4. What's what's going on in that beta? Anything good? There's a new shortcut section actually, um, and uh, this was found by Federico Vitici on Twitter. Of course, uh, I am very pleased that Federico found it. Uh, so quickly uh it's uh there is a shazam action uh to shazam uh a song um and uh so for people not familiar with shazam it listens to a little clip of a song and it tries to identify it based on the sound so of course if you're sitting you know right next to something extremely loud and you can very faintly hear music it's probably not going to pick that up but if you're you're sitting you know somewhere where you can pretty much hear the music then then you'll be able to to um to Shazam it and and get the data. And the suggested shortcut that I saw recommended for this was if you're at a party, then you can have the shortcut repeat um, for, I don't know, 90 times or something. And I would suggest using a number and then tapping and holding on the repeat variable there and selecting the number as a magic variable instead of tapping the plus 90 times. Um, and then uh, you can wait two minutes and Shazam the song and append that to something like a draft um so that then at the end of the night you have a list of all the songs that we're playing at a party um which sounds like a pretty fun thing to do uh i have set one up so that when my mom says what song is that i can shazam it and just send it to her um because that somewhat frequently happens at the moment you know with siri she could also just push uh, invoke siri and say what song is this and it would tell her. yes uh, I have tried educating my parents in the ways of Siri. Um, they have got to the point where they're very happy to ask Siri to turn on the lamp. Um, yeah. But that that's kind of all that they do with Siri. Uh, I did catch my mom the other day. She started a timer with Siri. I was very impressed. Um, but they, they don't really do the smart home stuff. Um, and so it's it's nice to be able to just tap a button. And then it also sends it to her so she can look it up later, uh, which is nice. Yeah, I I think the what song is this is another one for people who are not you know advanced Siri users because it's a very simple it's easy to remember, um and you like you're in a public place you just say what song is this and it it'll tell you. Uh, the other one I would recommend as a gateway drug is get directions home. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Yes. Yes. So for people going, ooh, what could I use shortcuts for? Those are two very easy uh, get out of the gate ones. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's cool. And I, I'm glad the betas are working out for you more or less. Yeah, pretty much. I've I've had some interesting uh, moments where things have randomly restarted. Um, and I had, I confess, a brief flirtation with a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Okay. Um, In what because, way? Uh, uh, I bought one. Uh, oh, I also wait, 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 returned you didn't it. Tell me that. Oh, okay. Oh, um, wow. So, but I, I I had it for a couple of weeks. Uh, Amazon yeah. uh, over here in Europe has a thirty day return policy. Um, and with the potent, with the rumors of the the new iPads being released this coming month and some changes coming up in my life, some of which we'll get to later in the show. Um, I was there on the fence, going, so do I want another small iPad or do I want a big iPad? I think I want a big iPad. But do I really want a big iPad? That's the question, because it's the big iPad, right? Um, and so I, I bought a 12.9-inch iPad for a couple of weeks and gave it a go at home. And my conclusion is I really, really like it. Um, and I was very pleased because I was I had this issue for a long time with my shortcuts not syncing. And I had to uninstall shortcuts on all of my devices and reinstall it to get them to sync. And one of the really useful things that I found out by buying and returning this 12.9-inch iPad Pro is um, that um, you can um, actually, um, it it does work. Uh, All of my shortcuts actually sync. Um, And originally I was intending on keeping the the iPad, but uh, I I unfortunately had a few other things come up and I decided that no, I'm best off returning it for now. And uh, I will probably get one later, but uh, I bought one of the uh, used ones, so I don't feel too bad. Yeah, I take a lot of grief for this on Mac Power users, but I had a, a listener actually write me. He had bought the the uh, was it the nine? I forget what's the smaller iPad is it ten or eleven. 11 inch. Yeah, it's probably the eleven inch iPad Pro for his wife. Then when they came out with the new Mini, like last year, she wanted the smaller one, so he had this extra one. He sold it to me for a good price, but I had already bought the twelve point nine. So now I I'm living the multi pad lifestyle, as Mike Curly mm-hmm. would say. And, uh, you know, I, I like it. I mean, it, oh, it, it's yeah. not something I would have no, thought I would do. But so so what I've done is the 12.9 is the home iPad. I use it all the time in the house. I've got, um, you know, a platform that it sits on in front of my iMac. And I've got the keyboard with multiple Bluetooth radios so I can jump between the iPad and the Mac very easily. And, um, and then the little one just goes with me outside anytime I go out the door. And the you know the convenience of the little one is nice when you're when you're out in the road or on a plane but uh when you're in the house why not have the bigger screen so I, absolutely um and i am already living the multi-pad lifestyle in many well no in many ways i am living it because i have an ipad mini and an 11 inch ipad pro uh, which is the other reason why i feel like i i could go to the bigger ipad pro because yeah. if, I, if i just need to take an ipad with me you know so that i've got a bigger screen to do stuff on and I can I can answer emails and so on on it. I was considering a bridge keyboard for it, but I think it's a little bit small. And the the advantage of the mini is it is so light. And if I had a bridge keyboard to that, then I, I basically lost that advantage. Um, but it, you know, I, the multi multi pad lifestyle is great for me. Um, and uh, uh, we we'll get to another little bit in a moment um, about uh, pushcut. Um, but I have that running on a device that's at home all the time. So if you've got a leftover device. And uh, keep listening because uh, we've got some ideas for that too. Yeah, and that that being said, there are rumors of a new iPad with, I guess, a much improved camera system. That really yeah. isn't that attractive to me, honestly. I'm not no. sure I I care, but I guess we'll see what else they add to it. 
Yes, um, exactly. But, but back on to automation. Um, there was someone asking in the forum, is it worth learning AppleScript? Yes. Uh, this is a very good question. Um, and to which my answer would be yes. If you want to automate stuff on a Mac, uh, AppleScript is the way to go. So there is yeah. JavaScript for the Mac where you can automate stuff. Uh, it's called JXA, JavaScript for Automation. Um, and it's kind of janky. Um, it's based on the Apple script, essentially. Um, so it doesn't flow the same way that regular JavaScript would. Um, and it's very Apple scripty. And if you're looking for examples, you're going to find Apple script everywhere, but you're going to struggle to find JavaScript examples. So you're going to have to learn the Apple script so that you can translate the Apple script into JavaScript anyway. Um, and um, I, I saw the other day that uh, Agile Tortoise is working on AppleScript support for the Mac of drafts or drafts for Mac, which is going to be a pretty awesome way to automate stuff. Imagine having Keyboard Maestro automatically fire things off and generate a bunch of drafts because you've got an AppleScript to tell it to do so. Yeah, I, I think that, I and mean, we talked about this with Doug Adams very recently, but there really is nothing like AppleScript for automating the Mac because it ties into those Apple events and the developers that have supported it have given deep, deep integration. So that is the language where you can take one bit of data and drive seven different applications and make all sorts of cool things happen. Uh, so it is absolutely worth learning if you want to do any automation on the Mac. Uh, the downside is it does not come over to iOS. You're not going to be able to use that AppleScript knowledge on iOS. And AppleScript is so different from JavaScript that um, I would recommend that you also learn JavaScript. You know, I oh, think yeah. you, you probably need absolutely. them both for, for automation. But the uh, but it, I think there's this impression because of the kind of rise of JavaScript for automation that AppleScript is no longer relevant. And um, we've had Sal on the show in the past and Doug Adams and these guys. There are things they do with a Mac that I don't think is possible with anything but AppleScript. And if you really want to dive deep on on the Mac, you need to learn AppleScript. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it's not that hard to get to understand the basics of. Um, you know, you can get to grips with the AppleScript pretty pretty easily. Um, and also, if people are looking for books, don't be put off potentially by an older book um, because. Um, AppleScript hasn't changed that much in a very long time, yeah. which you might think is a bad thing, but in general, it's not. Um, at some point, a, a programming language has to stay fairly static. Ask a couple of app developers who started with Swift 1 uh, about their nightmares switching from Swift 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5. Um, you know, you, you want things to be relatively consistent. Um, and the fact that AppleScript hasn't changed is, is a good thing in that case. And that also means that you can often pick up secondhand copies of books very cheaply as well. Uh, if you're looking for something that's like a, a in-depth guide. Yeah, I would recommend AppleScript 123 by Sal Sagoyan, the grandmaster. And um, and honestly, just think of a few problems and search for existing scripts. I mean, AppleScript even is, a, is one language where you can very much cobble together scripts, even if you're not fully fluent in the language. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's written in plain English that it's not that hard to make little changes. You'll You'll figure it out. So... Yeah, uh, to answer the, I think Rose and I are both thumbs up for AppleScript. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, even if you only learn teeny tiny bits and you just couple together scripts with copy and paste, guess what? If you've got a script that works, that's an automation, and that's all that matters. I still just wish so badly that they had integrated something like Apple Events into iOS at the beginning. Oh I, yeah, I don't know that it's even possible now, but the uh, 
But yeah, I would like to have that same deep level of automation on iOS. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's that's one of the things that we're currently facing, isn't it? You know, something we've, we've heard about a lot from listeners recently is uh, how can I automate shortcuts without manually triggering it? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is because, you know, things like when I arrive at a location does not actually automatically trigger stuff. It put, sends you a notification so that yeah. you can tap it and run the thing, um, which on the one hand is pretty awesome. On the other hand, it's. I I really wish for many more things that there was the option to turn this off. Um, and maybe it would have to be limited to a subset of actions, which could, you know, only like store stuff in short term memory or something. And then you would have to open the app. So say, for example, it could only store stuff outside of OmniFocus. And then you would have to open OmniFocus and confirm later that you really wanted that stuff to change. I don't I don't know. Maybe like they, obviously they've done this for security reasons, but I really wish we could just have things done automatically because it has been driving me a little bit up the wall. Um, but that said, I have been doing some good workarounds with the open app action um, because that is a great way to automate things. Um, and uh, Adam Tao actually wrote some shortcuts a while ago, which essentially attached themselves to the open app action um, and they check to see if there's anything that they need to do. And if there is something they need to do, then they do it. Um, which is one way of doing things. I'm sure you could program that yourself, but I'll, I'll link to Adam's shortcut in the show notes. Yeah, I just feel like I understand the security need for it, but I this is one where I really wish there was a preference setting where you could turn it off, even mm-hmm. if the default was to have the security turned on. Uh, yeah. For those of us that want to you know, be big boys and girls and take the risk, why not let us throw the switch? Because the idea of automation is it happens in your pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. The notification in your pocket isn't good enough. Yeah. Um, and and especially, you know, we can't run these things on our Apple Watches in many cases either, which means even if you do have a computer on your wrist, um, you know, thinking back all those years ago where, you know, you're like, one day the computers will be on your wrist. Well, they are, but we still can't quite get everything that we want running from there, unfortunately. All right, uh, let's take a minute to talk about our second sponsor, and that's our friends over at ExpressVPN, high-speed, secure, and anonymous VPN services. Get three months free with a one-year package. So ExpressVPN is exactly what it says on the tin. It's a VPN service made for people that need a solid and reliable service. There are a ton of VPN providers out there, but you probably want one you can feel confident in and that you can trust, and ExpressVPN is that. They value your privacy. They don't log your data. There was just news recently about one of these VPN services that was logging all the user data. That's not ExpressVPN. They don't sell it. They don't They don't have it to sell it like some other services may. In fact, they've developed a technology called Trusted Server that only stores your data in RAM. So there's no way for them to get the log. And it's super fast, so you can stream HD quality videos with no lag. It's really easy to use. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're connected. Plus, ExpressVPN is loved by TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and me. Um, I've been using ExpressVPN for a couple of years. It's just a part of my application profile now. What the, one of the tricks I do is I put ExpressVPN's uh, widget on the Today View screen because I don't really want to have the app on my home screen. But if I ever need to lock things down, I just swipe over to the Today View, scroll down. I keep it at the bottom of the Today View, and there's the button right there. I tap it, and then I'm secure. And I do it whenever I leave the house. 
Some people would argue I should even have it turned on while I'm in the house, but I haven't gone that far yet. But it's it's just a great service, and it's it's just been no problems. It works. You press the button, you're on with a VPN. So go ahead and protect yourself today. Go to the link right now, expressvpn.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S, and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash automators. Now to learn more, and our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the automators and all of FM. I thought it'd be fun to do a little check-in on the Stream Deck, because I know you bought one. I bought one. Uh, how's it going, Rose? I have a top row of buttons, um, but I have to say I have not... I, so I have two problems. Number one, I've not really had the time to do things. And number two, um, I am so frequently right now at my laptop rather than my Mac, um, and I'm at my laptop on the sofa or... Um, I, I had a horrible cold for a week, so I spent most of the week in bed. Um, and taking your stream deck everywhere with you, uh, I know it can be done, uh, but I haven't done it. So I'm feeling kind of guilty because I have this amazing piece of hardware that I really, really want to be using more. And I'm just not there yet. Uh, that said, uh, as alluded to earlier, and we'll get to later, I will be changing things up a bit. And so hopefully I'll be recording at my Mac Mini, which will mean that I can actually use my stream deck for recording purposes um and i'm thinking that once i get started with that it's gonna open a whole rabbit hole of things but how are you doing with your stream deck yeah i'm I'm loving it and i use it all the time but i think you're right this is definitely a device best for someone that's at a desktop computer Mm because i can't really see myself carrying this thing around and attaching it to a laptop but the stream deck was designed as a streaming um like for gamers like game streamers to give them quick access to common commands for streaming but last year, with release of Keyboard Maestro uh, version 9, uh, Peter put in a feature that lets you attach Stream Deck buttons to as triggers in Keyboard Maestro. And since Keyboard Maestro can do almost anything on your Mac, um, then that basically gave you an external control panel that you can make your Mac do almost anything. And so I I really liked it. Uh, it. Related, I released an update to the Keyboard Maestro field guide, I think, since the last time we published. And I've got a whole video in there explaining how to set it up and, and do all this stuff. But basically, it's not that difficult. You've got a little plugin you download for the Stream Deck software, and then you can attach a button to a Keyboard Maestro action. You can even give custom icons to the buttons because there's a little uh, LCD screen behind the Stream Deck. So like mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of icons between like my top row is all setups. So like I push one button and it sets up all of my various screens for writing. I press another one. It sets all of them up for planning. So I can like jump between modes of work with just the press of a button. And I know I could do that with fancy keyboard shortcuts and other ways with keyboard maestro, but there's something very satisfying about sitting down on my computer and pressing a button on the stream deck and having my computer just zap into like screencast mode for me. It's just, it's great. And um, uh, so I've got the top row buttons for setups. The second row is largely blank at this point because I'm going to be doing some streaming for Max Sparky. I'm going to stream to field guide customers. We're going to do some uh, live stuff on the various field guides. And though that row is for those buttons, which I haven't set up yet. And then my third row is a lot of web-related stuff, like how to record a podcast, or I've got one here for the automators. It's got the automators logo on it. If I press it, it sets up my computer to record the automators. 
And then I've got all this miscellaneous stuff I'm I'm using on the bottom row. In fact, I've got a jazz button. There's a saxophone. I press that, and jazz music just comes out of my office. It's it's awesome. Oh, man. That sounds like great fun. Um, one of the things that I really want to experiment with is the Stream Deck app for iOS. Um, because you can turn your iPhone into a Stream Deck. And I think for my current situation where I'm using my laptop a lot, that is a lot more practical. It is unfortunately a subscription. It's £2.79 a month uh, for me, but they've just added shortcut support to it um, so that you could actually trigger Stream Deck actions from shortcuts, which definitely holds a certain amount of appeal for me because at the moment when I start podcasting, I use NFC tags behind yeah. my my podcast stickers. Um, so I have a little podcasting box with with gear in that I which I pull out. Um, and on top of that, I've got my my podcast stickers. So I've got one for automators, one for nested folders. And on the other side of those stickers, I have NFC tags. So when I tap the the automator sticker, it pops up a menu and asks me what I want to track and it lets me get on with it. Um, and uh, I'm quite happy with that. But I, I wonder if being able to trigger Stream Deck from my iPhone would also be great, too. Yeah, I feel like we all have to make uh, decisions when an app goes subscription based. And when I saw mm-hmm. this was subscription, I was like, immediate, like, no, I'm not interested in paying a monthly for this one. But because I have this big stream deck on my desk, but I get it. like, if you run a laptop, that would be kind of nice to have your yeah. your iPhone as like a control panel for your Mac. But at the same time, for a lot of what the Stream Deck does, especially if you're triggering keyboard maestro macros, don't forget you can copy like a URL to trigger a keyboard maestro macro you know, from Keyboard Maestro. And then yeah. you can just, you know, get contents of URL on that inside of Shortcuts and it will do the same thing. Yeah, you can go straight um, to might Shortcuts, not, yeah. Yeah, it might not look pretty um, in the same way that a donated screen, a Stream Deck action would. I nearly said Scream Deck there. I think that's something else. Um, but uh, it is, um, you know, uh, another way of automating things on your Mac from Shortcuts, um, which is definitely something worth considering. I think the app would be good too if, I always like to think about automators helping out non-automators in their friends and family circle like mm-hmm. if you went to grandma um i think that maybe a stream deck set of buttons would be easier for her as a triggers to um to shortcuts than the actual shortcuts app would be so i don't mm-hmm. know yeah yeah but well we'll have to see either way uh yeah so i'm still using mine it sounds like rose is, is working on it Yes, yes, I am. And uh, I will be changing some things up uh, in a couple of months. Um, and then I'm hoping that I will be able to record everything from my Mac Mini, which will mean that I will be sitting at my, my regular desk with my regular computer. Um, and uh, that will mean that I have my Stream Deck right in front of me. I've still only got the the medium-sized one. I didn't get the baby. I went for the medium. But uh, if it goes well, I could, I could foresee a full-size Stream Deck in my future um, and keeping the medium for, for extra things. So listener Solid wrote in about working with timeouts and shortcuts. Yeah, so Solid actually posted in the forums because there uh, a while ago I talked about a shortcut that I have. So when I open Twitter, it waits a minute and then it opens OmniFocus for me. Um, and this is so that I don't waste so much time on Twitter. And I've actually uh, expanded this. Um, I also have this when I open Apollo. It waits two minutes and then redirects me. Um, and Apollo is a, a Reddit application um, and a few other things just so that I, I can still pop in and check on social media, but I don't get soaked uh, soaked into or sucked into the vortex yeah. um, that it, it, it can be. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm using um, screen time on iOS as well, and I'm experimenting with it on the Mac 2. Uh, it caused a couple of problems because uh, I have uh, 
two work mechs and two personal mechs, and I wanted the work mechs to not contribute towards scream time, but at some point that got turned on without me turning it on, um, and uh, Catalina went wild on me, and uh, then uh, I, I had some issue where it was there going, you you can't check this website, and then they're going, why, why can't I view a search result at work? Because it was a link to uh, a post about PHP on Reddit, um, and it was like, you've reached your social media allowance for the day, and I'm like, uh, right, thanks. That that's not what I wanted, yeah. um, but <laughs> but uh, if you if you try and use the wait feature in shortcuts and you wait too long, um, it just times out and it never actually does anything. Um, and so what Solid is doing instead is he's using the Just Timers app and donating a timer from from it um, and using that inside of shortcuts to just tell him this that his time is up. Now, of course, you could just start a timer. Um, but the problem with timers on iOS is you can only have one running at a time. Yeah. Uh, HomePods, you can have as many timers as you like and you can give them names, but iOS is still limited to one timer at a time. And uh, But if you use an app like Just Timers, I'm using it as well actually for a lot of things, um, then you can have it uh, you know, run multiple timers and store multiple timers at a time as well. Um, it's been pretty useful for me. I've got some orchids and I like to give them a bath. So they sit in water for like 30 minutes and being able to tap my orchid start timer is pretty nice because uh, then it automatically starts a 30 minute timer for me. Um, and uh, so he's using that now and it just pops up and tells him, you know, infinity pool. Yeah. Make sure that you're, you're getting out of the infinity pool. Yeah. But yeah. You know, it's crazy to me that the time you have multiple timers on the home pod so the code is written but someone said nah let's not put it on the phone yeah <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah that's okay we'll just leave it yes. off um <clears throat> yes and i'm sure yeah. there's a good reason but it's still it's baffling ios 14 maybe <laughs> yeah there's some great apps coming out uh in beta right now one of them yeah. that uh, rose turned me on to is called charty and it is an app uh, in beta. You can go to, I think it's chartyappios.com. I'll, I'll get the link in the show notes. Uh, you can sign up for the beta. And it allows you to create charts with shortcuts. It's like, what a great little feature. Yes. Um, and one of the th features that they recently added, which I really like, is the ability to give it health data. So you can automatically create a chart based on certain health data. Um, and this, for me, is great because one of the things that I'm primarily going to want to create data for is health data. And I didn't want to have to process that into series, um, which is what it uses to create charts. Um, I, I just wanted to be able to create a chart with health information. So I've been experimenting with that as well. Um, and, and that's been pretty nice. Yeah. And once again, like if they're going to give health data, Apple, please release time tracking data. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be another great use for Charty. Um, yes, it anyway, absolutely it, would. It looks like a. am just so happy to see this rich ecosystem of shortcuts apps showing up. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's another one that's coming soon as well. Data Jar by Simon Stovering. So Simon yeah. is the creator of Scriptable and JSON, J-A-Y-S-O-N. Um, Scriptable is a JavaScript scripting app for iOS where you can, well, control your iOS device. And JSON and Simon, Simon's is... Simon's a recent guest on the show. Yep. And uh, JSON is an app for viewing JSON data. Uh, which is very useful if you're like getting data from Airtable and you want to be able to view it, but also work on your shortcut at the same time. You can send it over to JSON and split screen it on your iPad. And I've been using that so much. I've been using it on the Mac as well. That's one of the apps that's been ported to the Mac using, um, you know, what was called Marzipan. 
Um, and that that's great. But DataJar is a brand new app. It's not yet out, um, but the, a, he somewhat frequently posts test flight invites on Twitter at the moment. And the idea is it's a local database application for shortcuts. So you can open DataJar itself um, and create, um, you know, uh, keys with values and so on. But you can also access it entirely from shortcuts, which is mostly what I've been doing, I have to say. Um, and it's great because you can store really complex data structures in there if you want. Uh, so I've got six top level things at the moment, but they go all the way down into massive depth. Um, and it's really nice to be able to have this data and store it somewhere else. It's like global variables from Toolbox Pro, but a whole extra level because you can store whatever you want in there. You can put entire dictionaries in there and get them back out. Um, yeah. and all sorts of things which is great and then you can reuse them in multiple applications if yes. you make a change to the dictionary it's gonna the change will reflect in every shortcut you access it in it's like it's like i look at this one i'm like oh come on apple this just needs to be in shortcuts yeah, yeah. It, it does kind of feel like it needs to be Sherlocked, which is meant in the best possible way, Simon, yeah. if you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, but it, it's great. It syncs using iCloud as well. So you can have a database on all your devices. Um, and this has been quite useful for me because I've been able to to store bits of information with, from things that have run on another device and retrieve them on my iPhone when, when I'm out and about. So I'm, I'm really enjoying DataJar. And I, I suspect most people here will as well when, when it... Uh, finally releases which will hopefully be in the not too distant future and, and honestly if apple did sherlock it there's no way they would make it as feature rich as simon oh has. yeah so yeah. we'd still be using data jar but yeah what a, what a great app yes it really is uh so we we mentioned ios 14 earlier in the future but i think it might be time to get out our crystal balls david because it's march uh and uh that means that wwdc's in a couple of months right maybe yeah, uh, I don't know what the format will be. I have a feeling that with the uh, with the problems California is experiencing with this virus, um, that, that there may be no WWDC event. So Rose and I won't get to hang out for a week again like we usually do. Yeah. Uh, but I, Apple still has to release iOS 14 and whatever comes after Catalina on the Mac and share all the stuff they've been working on for the last year. I. I suspect if they, you know, that we'll get like a, it'll just be a virtual WWDC mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think John Gruber called it. There'll be, there'll be a, a small press event um, for, you know, what would be the main keynote. Um, and then that'll be it. And everything else will be online. Um, and so I, I'm sure that people who have been working on all of these features all year are going to be sad to to miss out on the opportunity of actually getting to talk to the people who are then going to implement this stuff into their apps. Um, but um, it, I think you know I, it's it seems highly likely to me that WWDC won't go ahead and it will be held virtually. If it does happen, then I'll quite happily hop on a plane, come see you, David. We can go off to Disney again. That was yeah. good fun last year. Um, but uh, if not, then I'll have to hold out for Mac stock for my personal nerd fix for some of some of my friends. So. Assuming Disney's open. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Um, so, but but we're automators, and I just thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about what would we like to see in 2020 added for shortcuts and and on the Mac in terms of automation. Uh, so let's yeah. start with shortcuts. Um, some of the stuff we talked about today, I think, would be nice. I think organization 
needs a bump. Um, I I would like them to continue to keep the pedal down on adding new features and plugins. Last year was really a watershed year because they changed the underlying structure of it in a way that allowed us to have third-party implementation. And that's why we have all Mm -hmm. these third-party apps and, and, and apps that, you know, are, are doing other stuff like carrot weather that just now give you really awesome automation support. So I don't think we're going to get something that, you know, mind bending this year, but I would like to see them keep adding features. Absolutely. I, I would really like to see that as well. Um, and I, I would like to see uh, even more system integration, both for automations and like you mentioned, David, getting screen time data out. Like that would be amazing if we could do that in shortcuts. I'd also like to see some bumps in, in the health data. So the ability to log all of the same things that we can log in the health app. Like I need my tooth brushing log. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I actually don't need that one, but I, I think some some parity there would not go amiss. Um, and it would also be interesting if um, I could specify that uh, my shortcuts are um, actions, essentially. So I could create a series of shortcuts, which are functions, which I only ever run in another way. And I could have those in maybe a fourth tab across the bottom or something. I, I have to say, I don't think I... I use the gallery except to show people uh, example shortcuts yeah. um, that they can use and to show people where you can find the shortcuts from your apps because that's where it wandered off to uh, when it moved out of settings. Uh, it moved house. And um, yeah, so um, I, I I would like to, to see the ability to do that. And also, please, I really don't want all of my shortcuts to be in the widget. <laughs> this is a very, very personal uh, request, but please let me disable that. I don't want my shortcuts to appear in the widget by default. Uh, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. So if we could disable that, that, that would be good. I, I think a couple things to unpack there. I, I think gallery is always going to be prominent because, you know, most users aren't Rosemary Orchard. So the gallery is a great, you know, on-ramp for people, but yeah, uh, you are running shortcuts as subroutines in essence. And yeah, a lot of us are that are making a lot of shortcuts and you're right. It really, there is no way to kind of organize those uh, in terms of triggers offhand. Cause I thought about it before the show. I'm not really looking for any new triggers right now. I am looking for more automation in the triggers. Like we talked about earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, um, I would really like some of these triggers to remove the confirmation dialogue. And if that means I have to check a box for it, or maybe the first time I run that shortcut, I have to approve that and I have to do it for every one that I make. But once it, you know, once you do approve it once, then in the future it just runs. I, I mean, there's got to be some mechanism where we can make it safe, but also make the shortcut so infinitely more useful. Mm-hmm. And also in the automation tab, I would love to see the option to share automations um, because I I frequently see people um, on usually on Reddit in the shortcut subreddit sharing screenshots of their automations. Um, and th- there are a couple of problems with this. Number one, you can't necessarily tell where variables come from when they're using magic variables. Number two, it's not accessible to people with screen readers. Um, and number three, it's not possible for somebody to just tap a button and install this and i really feel like it would be great if um i mean the the way the automations is set up right now you could build an entire automation or entire shortcut inside of an automation which i kind of feel is the wrong way to do things i think that it would be great if they just converted all of those into and when this happens i want to run this shortcut yeah done 
Well, that's the way I do it, honestly. And that's the way I do it. And that's the way I would highly recommend most people do it. You can't do that for home actions, but that that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but I, I think for, for personal automations, it would be great if those were just and then you run this shortcut and then it could walk you through creating a shortcut and put, adding the actions to it, but it would then save it. And I would also like to be able to name my automations too um, because uh, the the automations right now are, uh, in my case, they're, they're a little bit confusing uh, because I have, uh, you know, when I arrive at specific address, but that's the detected address that has come up with, with that, which is actually across the road from where I'm sitting. Yeah, I know. Um, so... <laughs> It's like okay, that that's a different street. Uh, great, thanks. Uh, that's that's not what I was expecting, um, and and it would be really nice to just have a little bit more. Um, you know, leading leading the horse to water is perhaps the wrong analogy because people who are learning to use shortcuts are definitely way above the level of people who've never even heard of it. Um, but it would be really nice if those were automatically made to be shortcuts and therefore shareable, um, and you could you know from inside a shortcut say attach this to an automation as well and then show that up in the automations tab no i I think you and i both um would like to see that get better if you recall they barely shipped that feature it it, it was in the betas and then it was out of the betas until the very end of the ios 13 cycle and i feel like there's probably more that they wanted to do with it that never got implemented so I bet Absolutely. we will see um, progress on that this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we will. And I think we'll also see actions like set background image return. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that one come back whenever it does. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain it must have been taken out for some kind of security reason. And there's just too much going on to add it back. Um, that can be part of iOS 14. <laughs> yeah, on the back end, what I'd really like to see them do is is make even easier development tools so developers mm-hmm. have no excuse not to be donating uh, shortcut actions because yes yeah. i mean there there are some rock stars uh, app developers that have been very good about it you know greg pierce at drafts and the, the, we know some of the apps you know we talked about them on the show that do a good job of this but they are a small small minority of the apps so many apps mm-hmm. don't do anything with shortcuts and anything we can do to make it easier for those developers to add that uh, i would love that Yes, absolutely. Um, and I've been looking at adding shortcuts to some things recently, and it's like, okay, I have no idea where to get started. But that's because I'm not yet an iOS developer. Something I'm still working on. Well, I watched the um, WWDC session on it. They had a they ha- it's in last year's uh, sessions. It really didn't look that hard. I think it's not that hard if you wrote the app that you're trying to do this for. Yeah, And that's my problem. I didn't actually write the app and it took me a while to figure out it's written in Objective-C in some cases, not just Swift, because there were a lot of things with Swift extensions and then there was some other stuff and I was there going, okay, this other stuff seems like it's probably going to be pretty important. I'm guessing this is Objective-C, but it took a while to confirm that, yeah, that's definitely Objective-C. So I'm there going, okay, now where do I add this information? (laughs) What about over on the Mac? Do you think this is the year we get shortcuts on the Mac? Maybe. Um, I mean, it depends on what they do with Catalyst, right? Um, you know, formerly, uh, you know, unofficially named Marzipan. Um, I think a Catalyst has got to get better. Things like the Home app are intriguing to use uh, right now, um, I have to say. Um, and it would be great if we got at the very minimum, um, you know, some some basic support for certain HomeKit things so that we could then run those automatically from our Macs. Um, because right now, like the home app doesn't 
even have Apple Script support because it's a Catalyst app and it just didn't get that. Um, and I, I, it would be great to see it, but I'm not sure this year is the year, to be honest. Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't know anything. I haven't talked to anybody. I have no inside knowledge, but I feel like this year they're going to like further clamp down the iOS version of shortcuts and the Mac is not going to happen this year. That's just kind of my gut feeling, but I don't know anything. I, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me entirely if they did bring it to the Mac, but I just don't feel like that's going to happen this year. I feel like there aren't yet enough apps that are using Catalyst that could take advantage of shortcuts on the Mac for them to do it this year. I think they need to improve Catalyst so that more apps make the jump from iOS to the Mac or back to the Mac as as uh, it might be termed. Um, and then, um, you know, and then they can say, and now there's shortcuts. So all those amazing things that you got on iOS, they they work on the Mac too. And, but I, uh, last year, I never would have guessed how drastic the changes they were going to make were last year either. So you just never know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of those things. So we'll see. We won't know what's happening until it happens. But you'll hear about it here when it does. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Kensington, the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. It's so easy to use. You get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. It's plug and play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K display with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, Thunderbolt 3, and power delivery. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control means all of their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision maker looking to find the right docking station solutions for your organization, check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. Visit kensington.com slash automators right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com slash automators to learn more. Thanks to Kensington for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Rose, what have you automated lately? Okay, so I alluded to this earlier in the show. I'm moving. Uh, and this means... There are many, many things I can automate. Lots and lots of things. Unfortunately, I've not yet figured out the perfect automated solution for boxes disappearing from here and reappearing at the next location. Um, but I've also not quite figured out exactly what I'm packing versus what I'm getting rid of. Yeah, the the automation for that is you call a guy and then yeah. it happens and you write them a check. <laughs> yes, yeah, that that is pretty much exactly what I'm going to do. I'm still going to need to pack things into boxes, but I'm going to call a person that's going to deal with this, especially uh, I'm moving back to the UK, which is, it would be like 24 hours of driving, pretty much, yeah. like assuming that you take breaks and so on. So you would then have to stop over in a hotel and I could do it, but I don't want to do it. I'm just going to pay somebody else to do that and, yeah. and deal with that for me. Um, so I, I've been trying to get some things automated so that I will have an easier time of keeping track of stuff. I'm going to have to put some stuff into storage for a while, so it'll be good to know what's in storage, um, which means I need a full inventory of everything. Um, so I've been trying to air, air sort table? things out. Yeah, uh, Airtable. Absolutely, Airtable. So in some cases, uh, I started using, uh, there's an app in setup called Home Inventory. And the Mac app is is solid. Uh, the iOS app, unfortunately, has not even been updated for the iPhone X screen sizes, um, which is disappointing. Yeah, um, but it does allow me to just scan barcodes and have a list of stuff generated based on the barcodes. And in many cases, I have the original boxes for things like HomePods, Sonos, 
Max, all of that, I've got the original boxes, which means that I can just scan this and have it appear and then I can copy it over to Airtable. Um, so um, I, I've been doing that um, and I'm using a formula in Airtable to generate a code, which I can then pull in in shortcuts and encode to a QR code. Um, and I have not yet fi figured out automated label printing. I do have a label printer, but I've not yet figured out how to automatically print the labels to the label printer at the right size. So I'm thinking that I'll, I'll just continue with my current system of save this to uh, the camera roll and have this put on my clipboard, open the app, and then I pull in the image and I paste the text and I hit print um, so that I have everything uh, labeled and then I have an inventory for every single box. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the QR code generation with shortcuts. I've always known you could do it, but I've never thought of a reason to do it? Uh, how hard was that to implement and how's it working? Uh, it, it's, it was very simple to implement. Um, so what I've done is for every box in Airtable, uh, I have a view. Um, so Airtable, for people not familiar, is a database application. Um, and so I have a base called moving. Um, and then I have a table inside of my base uh, called uh, inventory. Um, and this has a column for all of my boxes. Uh, the boxes are actually in a separate table, but that doesn't matter. But essentially what I'm doing is I'm using the QR code uh, is a URL um, to a very specific view. So you can add as many views as you like. And I've just created views for every single box so that then my QR code will automatically open that URL um, so that I can jump so I can see exactly what's in a box when I scan the URL. So is that require a subscription to Airtable or is that um, a free feature? No, it doesn't. I, I've, I've just got the formula. It's it's a little complicated to explain. So I'm just going to put that in the show notes um, this week. So keep an eye out for that because I'm using the formula f uh, function yeah. to do that. Um, and and yeah, that that's it, it could be more complicated or it could be less complicated. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I'm doing that Um to, to get that. Um, but that works uh, pretty well for me. Um, and that means that if I scan a QR code, then at the moment it opens up an empty Airtable base um, or an empty Airtable table because I haven't put anything in boxes yet. But I have boxes with labels on them ready to put stuff in. Good. Um, one of mine, I feel like I feel like I'm just not holding a candle to you, Rose, but I, I just <laughs> updated my text expander snippet for writing blog posts. And I just you know, I, I have someone helping me with some of the blog posts that go up. I, I have her read them and sometimes I have her doing the posting. So I found myself repeatedly typing instructions to her. So I made a text expansion snippet and it, it gives me the editorial checklist, the post date, the art notes, links, title, and body. And so I, I run it from a text expander snippet, usually out of drafts. I could mm -hmm. create a custom draft for this, but sometimes I also run it out of other apps. I, I tried Tot for a few days, but um, I don't know if you, that's the new sexy, you know, Tot is that little uh, menu bar app on the Mac. And it's a, oh. and it's a uh, Mac, it's a, also an app for iOS that mm -hmm. it holds seven notes. You know, it, it kind of the idea of drafts, you just open it up and you start writing, but it doesn't have any of the automation of drafts. So mm -hmm. I tried it and it's very pretty, but it's not drafts. So I'm back in drafts. But uh, so I, I could um, do this through drafts entirely, but I'm doing it through a text expander snippet. And it's just very simple, you know, outline. It's just like doing meeting notes or any other thing. You use text expander to auto generate, you know, fillable forms but it's, uh, it's very handy. It's like one of these things I finally stopped and did it. And I've written literally thousands of blog posts 
um, in a way that didn't take advantage of this. And the moment I created it, I just wanted to bang my head against the wall for being dumb and not having done this years ago. <laughs> well, that's one of the brilliant things about when you finally get around to creating an automation, you're like, oh, I've been doing this the very hard way for some time. Um, yeah. So it's it's always good to to have something that you're there going, oh, wow, yeah, I should be using this. Now, there's another uh, thing I wanted to talk to you about. Pushcut is uh, an app we've it's covered on the show with the developer on the show recently. And they've come out with a new feature that I know you're using pretty intensely. Tell us about it. Yeah. So Pushcut added an automation server. Uh, so a server is uh, always on device that can then do stuff for you. Um, and a Pushcut automation server has to be an iOS device. So the best thing to do is to find an old iPhone or an iPad that can run iOS 13 and just plug it in somewhere and stick it in a corner and leave it alone. Um, once the Pushcut automation server is running. So I have an old iPhone 6S that is sitting plugged in in a well-ventilated stand um, because uh, every so often iOS devices like to run hot for no reason. Um, and I am using this to automatically run my shortcuts without me doing anything. Um, so to give you some examples, whenever I get assigned a show at Screencast Online, uh, I have Zapier Zap Run, and it does a bunch of things. It creates stuff in Airtable and does other stuff. And then it pings my Pushcut automation server, which goes, oh, hello. Ah, I need to create a draft for this and a draft for that and a draft for this other thing. And I should probably create an OmniFocus project for that as well. And bam. And then it sends me a visible notification in Pushcut that says new OmniFocus project um, for you know, name of the Screencast Online show, and I tap on it, and it opens that project in OmniFocus for me. Yeah, so the problem we were talking about earlier of automation that still requires confirmation, this is kind of a way around it. It's it, oh, I yeah. mean, it's not going to work the way we were talking about earlier. It's not really this trigger-based automation, but at the same time, if you've got an extra iOS device and you're using PushCut, you can make shortcuts work a lot harder for you. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's great. So I realized that I was getting really, really long uh, toggle timers from when I was getting home from work because I've just I've been very swamped over the last couple of weeks. Unsurprisingly, I'm moving countries. Um, and so I, I've been forgetting to do things like start and stop my timers. But I realized, of course, when I get home, that's that's a thing. And I have an iBeacon here. Um, and so it's now when it, so I'm using Pushcut on the iPhone that I carry with me to detect whether or not I've hit the uh, got to the range of the iBeacon. And then it tells the automation server to run a shortcut for me. And that disables my my time tra- my uh, time tracking timer if it's my commuting timer. But it doesn't disable it if it's not my commuting timer. And that's great. I'm loving that so much because it does just make my life considerably easier. You know, I've been doing time tracking again. I, I kind of go off and on that boat once in a while. Just mm-hmm. to kind of do as a check-in to see how I'm doing. And the they've come so far with the um, you know, with the time tracking with through toggle in terms of just the timery app, I I have not used as much automation with it now as I used to. I used to run like a, a URL action and do all this stuff. And I still am using some of these timery because timery does donate to shortcuts in my uh, home screen shortcut routines. But also, mm-hmm. I just keep the app on my home screen. It's just so easy to start and stop them from the app. Yeah. He did such a good job that it eliminated some of the need for automation. But that that makes total sense, having a server go and uh, and handle that for you. 
Yes. Um, and in my case, I did already have an, a spare iOS device running around that I could do this with, um, which certainly cut the cost because if you've got to buy an iPad or something to do this, then of course, that's going to be quite expensive. Um, but for me, it, it's a great solution because it can handle OmniFocus with task paper and everything. It can handle drafts. It can handle timery. It can handle HomeKit things um, and all sorts. And the best part of it is because my shortcuts are syncing again. Woo! Um, I can I have my shortcuts syncing between my devices, and so uh, every once an hour or so, I have um uh, and been experimenting with Integromat, which we'll get to in a future show. Um, but um, I have Integromat just poke the automation server and go, <clears throat> update your shortcuts, please. Yeah. Um, and so the, um, whatever shortcuts I've created on, you know, any other device are definitely up to date in Pushcut. Um, and then it means that I can then create automations to run those at any time. Um, and I am loving this feature so much. Um, it, it's genuinely changing my shortcuts experience because between Pushcut and LaunchCut, I am not needing to actually open shortcuts myself pretty much ever at the moment. Nice. Nice. Well, you know, uh, once again, man, these third party developers are just bringing it for shortcuts. They absolutely are. And, uh, and I, I hope after iOS 14 launches, it's even easier and there's even more cool tools. Absolutely. That's it. Uh, we're going to wrap that up for today. We covered a lot of ground. Hopefully you got some cool automation knowledge today. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find the forums over at talk.automators.fm. Did I miss anything, Rose? Uh, no, uh, people can find you over at maxsparky.com and they can find me at uh, rosemaryorchard.com. And of course, we're on Twitter too, at automatorsfm if you want to tweet us there. But the best place to, to talk about the show is definitely in the forums. Okay, we'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Goodbye, everybody.